0: Psalm 50. We'll turn to Psalm 50. And we'll when you have that, we'll stand. We'll stand as we read and give honor to God and his holy word as we read Psalm 50 starting in verse 14 to the end of the chapter. This is God's holy and infallible word, Psalm 50 starting in verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? For you hate discipline. And you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silence." You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation." Of God. Let's pray. Help us, we ask, to receive this, your word. Help me in preaching. Help me to be clear. Help us to be faithful in receiving this, your word, and help me to be faithful in in preaching this, your holy word. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. What are the reasons why people forget? Now, you might say there are multiple reasons, but the ultimate reason why people forget is given back in Genesis. See, God didn't make us this way. God made us with a mind that was capable, able, a mind that was after the nature of God. It, uh, Adam was able to think God's thoughts after him. Adam did not have forgetfulness. But with the fall came sin, injury, disease, illness, and even death. And that's why, because of the fall and fallen nature, that's why we have cell death, that's why we have loss of memory and of those things. And it's because, again, the sin of our first parents, why we have this fallen condition. But notice this as we read in our text, especially in verse 22. The warning not to forget God. So you might argue, if you work, especially if you work in the medical field, that forgetfulness has always contributed to some sort of physical abnormality or some sort of health problem. But here... In this psalm, God mentions it as a moral problem, forgetting him. So it's a moral failure, not really primarily a physical deficit. This psalm, Psalm 50, we're not going to look at the whole psalm, but we're going to look at verses 14 to the end of the chapter, or of the psalm, Uh, this particular psalm was written by a man named Asaph. And I, I want to go back in 1 Chronicles. Keep your place in, in the psalms. But we'll, we'll look at 1 Chronicles as we go back and look at some of the history behind Asaph. 1 Chronicles 16. Actually, we'll do First Chronicles 13 first. So 1 Chronicles 13... Um, look at verse 9 and following. This is talking about um, the time when they were transporting the ark and God ended up killing Uzzah. When they came to the threshing floor of Kaidan, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark because the oxen nearly upset it. it and The oxen almost caused it to get tossed over off, the, off this cart that they were carrying it on. Then, it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, so he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. Then David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and he called that place Perez-Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God home to me? So, David did not take the ark with him to the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed uh, Edom, the uh, Gittite. Thus, the ark of God remained with the family of Obed Edom in the house three months, and the Lord blessed the family of Obed Edom with all that he had. Now, the reason this happened was because the ark wasn't designed to be carried on a cart, it had rings. And during the passages of Scripture that talked about the building of the ark, the rings were designed to have long poles set through the ark where they could be carried by the Levites. But sinful forgetfulness, they forgot this, I guess because it had been a very long time since the ark was moved. And then they tried to do things a different way, and then someone died. Um, Look at verse verse 1 of chapter 15. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David. He prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites, for the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he prepared for it. David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites, the sons of Korath, Uriel, the chief, and 120 of his relatives. Uh, mentions also there, um, if you skip down uh, to verse 13, verse 13, he says, Because you did not carry it, at the first, the Lord your God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to the ordinance. In other words, they didn't follow what God said, right? So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. Um. It says, Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives, the singers, with instruments of music, harps, lyres, uh, loud-sounding cymbals, to raise sounds of joy. So the Levites appointed Herman, the son of Joel, and from his relatives Asaph. Asaph here is mentioned there, And then in chapter 16, verse 4, chapter 16, verse 4, it says, he, that is David, appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. And it mentions in verse 5, Asaph as being the chief. So this man, Asaph, was the chief of, man appointed by David for giving God praise and worship at this t- very important time when the ark was being carried back into Jerusalem. So that's, that's the, the beginning here of who we have as far as Asaph and who he is. As we get to this psalm, Psalm 50, we'll see that we are to flee the sin of forgetting God. God calls us to flee the sin of forgetting Him. And we'll look at this in two main points. Give God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And secondly, remember God and your covenant vows. So let's look at this first main point. Give God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Verse 14. It says, you are to offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. What does that mean? Well, Asaph, especially, and his people at this time in history had a great deal to be thankful for. God had established them in the kingdom. God had given them an a upright king, King David, a man after God's own heart. He established them as a nation. He brought the ark back into Jerusalem. God was blessing his people. They had much to praise the Lord for. How much more for us? Yes, it was great they had the ark. It was great they had the sacrificial system. But they had the types and shadows. They had the blood of bulls and goats which could never truly take away sin. But we know that we have Jesus Christ, as mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that Jesus Christ was sent as a propitiation. That is, a sacrifice to turn away the wrath of God due for us for our sin. Not just any sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice in Jesus. So, as much as Asaph had reason to rejoice and give God what we call the sacrifice of thanksgiving, how much more so those of us who have been given Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, we who are Christians are to show forth our lives as being thankful to God by not living any longer for ourselves but for him who died and rose again for us 2 Corinthians 5:15 we give the offering of god of thanksgiving a life of sacrificial thanksgiving now if you're familiar with this the heidelberg catechism is divided in three sections it starts off with guilt it talks about what sin is it talks about the law and And our transgression of the law. So man is guilty before God. The next section talks about grace. What did God do to help us by giving us his only begotten Son to suffer and die for sinners so that we can be reconciled to him? The last section of the Heidelberg talks about gratitude. Because of what Christ has done for us, we are to live a life of gratitude for God. So we're not earning God's favor by living a life of gratitude. It's, it's the response of a fruitfulness of a true and lively faith. It's an evidence that we are His children by giving to God an offer of sa- a sacrifice of thanksgiving in that way. Getting back to Psalm 50 verse 15, it teaches more than just having this offering of a sacrifice of thanksgiving, It talks about a relationship between us and God. Look at verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. I don't know about you, but I've known people who have dealt with trouble and when troubles came, Maybe their conclusion was that God was not faithful. Maybe their conclusion was that God is not good, and why go to church if, he let, if God let this bad stuff happen to me? So rather than going to God and calling upon Him on the day of trouble, they drew away from God. And perhaps you've met people like that. I, I, you've probably heard me say this before. I, I met a, a woman who said, Well, where was God when my son died? God was in the same place in heaven where he was when his son died on the cross. We are to call upon God in time of trouble, and it says, I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. This is God speaking through the mouth of Asaph in verse 15. Um, Philippians 4 talks about being anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Philippians 4 6 and following seek help from friends seek help from your brothers and sisters in this church Seek help from your doctor. Seek help from anybody. Maybe even pay somebody if you need help. But don't forget to seek God in times of trouble. That's what the psalmist is telling us to do. That's what God is telling us to do in this passage. Again, people can forget God in the midst of a trial or trouble. But not only that, I do want us to look back at Deuteronomy 6, as a place where people can forget God in times of plenty. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, To give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself, take caution that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship Him and swear by His name. This warning was something that they were not to do. They were not to forget God in the time of plenty, in the time of the blessing of getting this promised land with all its great benefits. But notice what happened in times later. In the book of Judges, Judges chapter two, Judges two, seven it says here, Well, we'll pick it up at verse six. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnath-Heres, in the, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaesh. All that generation also who were gathered to their fathers and those who arose, and it says, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know The Lord, nor yet the work which He had done for Israel. What you have here is a generational forgetting. They enjoyed those olive groves, the homes, the cisterns, all those wonderful blessings. But what happened? They forgot the Lord who delivered them out of the bondage in Egypt. But God tells us in this text to call upon him in time of trouble. Don't forget God in times of trouble, but don't forget God in times of plenty as well. Next we'll look at the call to remember God and your covenant vows. Psalm 50, verse 14. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay... Your vows to the Most High. Now, some churches in our area might not know much about paying a vow to God, the Most High, but for those of us here in this church, we have something called membership vows. Um, I did bring my book of church order so that I could recount with you, not all, but just two of the membership vows These are the final two of five. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? When we become a member of this church, we make that vow but also another vow. Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service to submit to the Lord to its government and to heed its discipline even in the case that you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life? In other words, are you promising to be faithful and attend uh, the church's worship and services to submit to the leadership of the church and to its Discipline, if ever need be. These are vows that we make before God and many witnesses that we are to pay before the Lord, our God most high. Membership vows. What about wedding vows? You make a vow to love your spouse and to love no other till death do you part. And that's a promise you make before God and many witnesses. That's a vow that we are required to, to pay before the Lord our God. Those of us who have been ordained as deacons or elders or gospel ministers, we take vows to serve the Lord in a way that that's something that we ought to remember to pay our vows before the Lord. These are all things that we find more in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, I would say, than um, in different other denominations. In verse 16, Psalm 50, God rebukes the wicked, some of them who claim to be in covenant with him. Look at what he says in verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? So this is a person who talks about scripture, who talks about, it says here, God's statutes. But maybe at the time this was a Jew in name only. They weren't living like a Jew. But isn't the same true of Christians today? They take God's covenant upon their lips. They talk of scripture. Yet God says, what right do you have to this? Because it goes on to say, a case against those people who are claiming to be in covenant with God, yet are living in a way that is turning their back on him. And examples of these cases are found in in verses 17 through 20. The first one is this. You hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. Now, I'm I'm thinking how to explain this, and I was examining this earlier. Should a Christian as to be holy say, I love discipline. I'm so excited when, when God chastises me. Uh, I don't think that's exactly what we're... Because, I mean, who who would say that I'm delighting in, in getting a divine chastisement from God? But when we look at the New Testament, in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 gives us light as far as how a godly person is to look at the discipline of the Lord. Very important passage. Look at Hebrews 12. Remember the rebuke is that they hated discipline, but this passage in Hebrews twelve tells us how we are to look at discipline. The writer of Hebrews says this in verse four, if Hebrews twelve, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. In other words, when you when you fight against sin, fight to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved, that is, corrected by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which we have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Lord of spirits and live? For they, that is earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, But he, that is God, disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make Straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. That's how we ought to look at discipline. God chastises us, God gives us discipline through earthly fathers who don't do it perfectly, who often fail at it. But we have a divine father in heaven who is perfect in his chastisement and his discipline. And he gives us discipline to help us grow in holiness. So again, according to verse 17, we are not to be like those who hate discipline, but to receive it as God gives it, knowing that it's from a loving Father who is concerned about our growth in holiness. says that we are not to be those who cast his word behind us. You know, we go to church and and I'm sorry to say this, but we have people um, who we meet and they come to visit the church and sometimes it's like they don't want to follow what God's word says. They want to cast God's word Behind them, we are not to cast his word behind us, but it is to be the the guide that teaches us in the way that we are to go. He tells us a, a bit of a case against these lawbreakers, these covenant breakers. Verses eighteen through nineteen: When you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil. Your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son, your brother, uh, your physical brother. These things you have done, and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Wow. Wow. As you read Scripture, here's one thing that we find out for sure. God's not like us, is He? God is not like us. And we should not assume that He is like one of us because He is holy and even the best of us are sinful. But we are not to think just because God has kept His silence, maybe regarding some of our particular sin, that He is not dealing with that sin I know this is a hard message, but notice this. Even for somebody that God is rebuking in this fashion, God says this, I will reprove you, I will correct you, and state the case in order before your eyes. For even these people that God's rebuking at this time, there's still hope for them. And the hope for them is we'll see in a little bit later. God's judgment, God's verdict beyond, about all the ways that such people are behaving, his verdict is found in verse 22. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces, and there will be none to deliver. If God is against you, watch out. If God is against you, watch out, because you will be torn in pieces. But he corrects us, he reproves us, and he tells us the way that we should go. He says in verse 23, repent, he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. He repeats this again. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. Notice this, brothers and sisters. We are not reconciled with God by ordering our way aright perfectly in every way, shape, and form. We're only reconciled with God through the perfect work and blood of Jesus but he calls us to be a holy people. Those who do order our way aright and those who do so, who take his covenant upon their lips and seek to not cast his word behind them, who seek to give him a sacrifice of praise for all that he's done for us in Jesus Christ. God shows us the salvation of the Lord through Jesus Christ our Lord. Flee the the sin of forgetting God. I I do want to mention that one of the absolute most wonderful things that I've noticed about dealing with people with dementia, Alzheimer's, brain injury, and all sorts of other radical problems that affect the mind when working as a therapist is that I've met many godly men and women. They forget what year it is. They forget who the president is. They forget my name. They forget who their family is. They don't even recognize their, their own siblings. They sometimes don't even recognize their own children. But if you ask them about the Lord Jesus Christ, they still remember what God has done for them through Jesus Christ, their Lord. Yes, the mind falters. Yes, they forget, but they never forgot God because the Holy Spirit gives them and maintains them and gives them that ongoing faith even in the midst of a failing mind. That's something that I long for. I I hope that God would give us the grace never to forget them, even when our minds fail, to never forget what God has done for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Live your life in a way that's not just thanking Him verbally, but may your life be a life of thanksgiving before Him. And remember your God and your covenant vows that you've made before Him and many witnesses. Let's pray together. Our glorious Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word. we Thank you that you have given us your only begotten Son as a propitiation, a sacrifice that turns away your wrath due for our sin. And we pray that you would help us to live a life of gratitude and thankfulness, giving you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Help us more and more to keep our vows made before you and many witnesses Help us to be a faithful people, a loving people, a people who turn and repent of sin. Help us not to set your word behind us, but may it always be before our eyes, in front of our faces, that we would delight in your word and we would delight in the perfect salvation that is given to us as revealed in this, your holy word. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, uh, one that talks about remembering, 5.50, will stand and sing, Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds.